So I'm going to move on to the message. And, yeah, I just want to honour the mothers. Um, and I'm not putting anything against the men, but and this message is for the men as well. Uh, it's just that I'm going to be using women to bring out the message. But you men take, take notice, sit up, and uh, take notes if need be. But this is also for you. But I'd just like to turn to Ephesians um, chapter 6 and verse... Two and three. And it says, Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So I'd like to welcome all our online listeners as well. But you know, God commands that we honour our mother and our father. And some of you might say, Well, you don't know where I've been and you don't know what my parents were like. But God's not asking you to differentiate. He's saying you're still to honour your mother and your father. And we all do things that are not always honourable and sometimes as parents we're not always the parents that God has called us to be. But God still requires that we honour them as your parents. And then the verse 3, it gives us the benefit if we do honour them regardless of our situations or our upbringing. It says that if we honour our parents, that it will be well with you and you will have a long life. So it's for our benefit that we honour our parents. And God has set parents over us. And I was privileged to have a wonderful mum. Um, She was an only child adopted out at age three and um, she was the only ever adopted child so she never had any siblings even in her adopted um, family. She grew up down near Brisbane, Nambour around that area so she was a city girl and um, so as she grew up she had a very good relationship with her dad who loved her and she loved him but her relationship with her mum wasn't quite so so good um, because deep down she always wanted to know who her real mother was. So that was good, but she, she grew up and then she um, went to school and her parents sent her off to college in Brisbane. And mum always said that college was the best years of her life. And um, I think that was because she was a young woman who was now out on her own and we all know when we are leaving high school it's sort of a bit of an adventure to leave home, mum and dad can't tell you what to do anymore, you're out in the big world, you can make your own decisions, do your own things. But mum really enjoyed being at the college because it was a Christian-based college and of course back in those days it was um, girls only in the college and it was, um, I think she said it was run by the Methodist Church in, in Brisbane and they also had another college which where the young men went to do their studies and so she really enjoyed that time because she got to um, go to church and that was one of her favourite things was going to church every Sunday so she'd walk along the Brisbane River and they'd all walk into the city centre and go to church and so she had a really good time there Um, but eventually she finished her, her degree so she went there to study to be a domestic science teacher which today would be what you would call um, home economics, I suppose, cooking and sewing and all that sort of thing. So that's um, what mum decided to pursue. And um, so she finished her studies and then, of course, her and another girl, luckily, were both shipped to Mariba 
on a train, finished it, so they were positioned and found positions in Mariba, which is on the Tablelands. So mum travelled by train and, and she said it was a real shock to her travelling on the train to see all these little tin shacks along the way. Little did she know that uh, one of those little tin shacks would be her first home. <laughs> and um, But to her being a city girl, it was... Um, a bit of a shock, she said. And when she arrived in Mariba, who should meet her but the local pastor? <laughs> so, see, this is where God has gone out of our society, isn't it? Because back then, God was in everything. And um, he was honoured in everything. So, not only the girls went to church, but the young men went to church. And there was, they weren't forced to go, but they wanted to go. And everything revolved around... And then the pastors, the ministers and that would look after their congregation. So obviously somebody had rung ahead because it wasn't mum, but they were met at the train station because it wasn't good for two young ladies to step off a train in a foreign town and not have somebody to protect them. And so they were met by the ministers. She was then taken to what was then a boarding house, which eventually was, became my grandparents'. So she boarded at a boarding house which was only new and mum and this other lady were the first boarders to go into that house. There was no running water. Uh, there was running water but it was cold. So they had cold showers all the time. Um, the house wasn't even finished and um, my grandmother lived under a mango tree in a little shack. My, father, my grandfather was a timber cutter. And um, so my grandmother cooked their meals down in the little shack and then she'd bring them up to the, the main house and that's where the girls would eat their dinner. And so that's where my mother met my father. And um, things sort of went downhill a bit from then on. <laughs> Dad was a heavy drinker. And, you know, as a young woman, you know how um, you think that you can change people? And when you fall in love, uh, you look at things differently because... You think, oh, well, I know he's got that bad habit, but I also know that he loves me <laughs> and he knows I'm against that sort of thing. So, you know, when we get married, he will change because he'll want to change for me. And who knows that that's just a bit of a fairy tale. And so my mum saw that my dad was a drinker, but she loved him anyway. And, uh, and so they got married and... And once she got married, mum then had to leave her job because back then married women weren't allowed to be working. Um, so mum then left her job and dad took mum out onto this little farm which they'd bought, went into debt for, of course. And dad and my grandfather bought this little farm and they were going to make their millions, you know. They were going to... This was going to be their be-all, end-all... And so mum lived in one of these little um, corrugated iron houses and there she had 13 children. So, and um, mum wasn't a complainer, she didn't whine too much, but her, uh, her adopted mum, she was horrified when she came and visited <laughs> and saw where mum lived and I think even the fact that she had so many children... <laughs> was also a bit of an issue. But anyway, so I'm one of 13. And um, women are resilient. So 
I think about when the settlers came to Australia and the women came out from England, a lot of them, and, um, but they were resilient. And so I suppose mum was a bit like that, but she just got on with life. So she was isolated. She never ever got a licence. She could never ever drive. She, never, she tried to learn with me in the back seat a couple of times, but that was disastrous. But, so the end of the story was mum never ever held a licence in her life and, um, and that was okay. But she was often at, uh, on this farm on her own for long periods of time with children and she was cut off. So if she wanted to go to the doctor, mum would hitchhike into town with us kids, get a lift and all those sorts of things. Um, so she baked all her own bread. They, di they weren't wealthy people at all, despite uh, my granddad and my father saying what a wealthy farm they had and how much money they were going to make. Um, so mum often had to send even the kids, my older brothers and sisters would go fishing and bring home fish so that we could have a feed of fish and all sorts of things like that. But anyway, she, she rallied round and she got through that. And um, there came a time in her life when they eventually left the farm, they sold it and um, paid out their debts, got the banks off their back and Dad worked in a brickworks then. And that's... I was only a baby when we moved there, so... It was like having two separate families, Mum always said. There was always the older ones that grew up on the farm life and then us other younger siblings, there was six of us. We were the ones that lived, sort of our life was mainly at the brickworks. But we had a great childhood despite all that. We had no money, we had barely any clothes, we always lived off hand-me-down clothes. We were barefooted, but we were wild, we were untamed, <laughs> and we were unrestrained. <laughs> but honestly, it was the best. I can't ask for a better life. Um, and so what always held us together was mum was a woman of faith. And she'd always say things to us like, oh, the guardian angel must have been looking after you because we would just roam around the creek all day stay down there catching shrimps and fish and swimming and doing whatever, eating mangoes off the wall, mango trees that grew and all the rest. And um, we would do some pretty silly things at times and uh, as kids do when you get together. And, um, but so long as we were home by dark, mum didn't seem to put any restraint on us. And I suppose she was that busy looking after the younger ones um, that... Yeah, we were just left to look after ourselves and we had a whale of a time. And you didn't have to worry about all the sorts of things that you worry about today either. So it was a pretty free and easy life. And, um, but she was resourceful. She could cook a meal out of nothing. She would make us blankets out of old jumpers and just sew them together. And she was a wonderful mum. I'd like to go to Psalm 127 because... It sounds like I'm talking about my mum, but I'm talking about you ladies. It's a different time, it's a different era. But in a lot of ways, I think that the young women of today face harder circumstances than back then. Life was pretty simple and easy and straightforward, but things are complicated now. But Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. 
like arrows in the hand of a warrior. I think that's beautiful, you know. So mum certainly had a full quiver, didn't she? And uh, she had many children and that was one of her dreams as a child. She'd always play mum and dad's on her own <laughs> with the little dolls and whatever she had as a child. And, and she always said that she wanted to be a mum. And so she was blessed in that way. And just a, Psalm 128 verses 3 to 4 says, Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants are all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So children are a blessing, aren't they? And um, a lot of us have known the love and what it is to love a child. And, um, you know, I always believe without a shadow of a doubt that mum's faith was the underlying factor of her being able to negotiate and navigate through not easy circumstances. Now, having said all that, I don't really want to talk about my mother today <laughs> because I do honour her and I love her. But not everyone had a good mum, did they? And um, not everyone has been a mum. Not everyone will be a mum. Um, so these are the people I want to talk to today and... And I want to talk to those of you because there have been other, and other people in my lives that have spoken into my life. And they haven't been my mother in the natural, but they have been my spiritual mother. And um, that's Marg, as we all know. All the oldies know Marg. But, and I'm sure, if, and I'm not talking to her as a pastor, but as a person. And um, I'm sure if all of you stop and think about it, there would be people in your lives that you would um, look up to and, and thank God that you had them in your life. Is that not true? I'm sure all of us have had people. And so you don't need to have children to be a mother is what I'm saying. So don't, if you haven't had children or you don't want children, that's fine because God works all things for the good of those in Christ Jesus. And you can be a mother without even knowing it. And you don't even have to be old. You can be a young mum. I remember when I was on a station, like, um, and I'd just, just come to know the Lord. But even before I came to know the Lord, people would come and talk to me. And I'm talking about people in their 50s. I'm in my early 20s with little kids. And they would come because they just wanted to be able to offload and, and to talk. And for some reason, God gave me words to, to say to them. And um, they would say, you, you're like an old head on young shoulders. And so you can be any age to be a mum, to be a mum to something, to somebody. And I believe this day and age, everyone's crying out for that. Not so much a mother in the natural, but a mother that will take you under your, their wing and nurture you as a mother does. And be the person that you can rely on and be a person that you can stand and, and say, I know that they will be there when I need them most. So I'm just going to call her Marg because I actually I just call her Ma. So, so this Ma, and some of you know her, she's just an ordinary lady, just like you or, or me. 
just like Sue up there or Kath sitting here. You know, nothing special. And, you know, when you look through the Bible, all those Bible women that were so great and marvellous, they were just ordinary women like you and I. They were just going about their ordinary lives until God called them to something. So don't think there was anything special about those people. They were just obedient and they were surrendered to what God wanted to do. And anyone can be a mum. So she was an ordinary lady, but she loved the Lord. And you could tell she spent time with the Lord. And you can tell when people spend time with the Lord. And don't get me wrong, she was straight down the line. So if you asked her something, she would be straight up front with you. And if she didn't agree with it, she would tell you just how it was. <laughs> so, and that's what I liked about her because when you asked her something or if she was even correcting in love, she would do it because you knew she knew the Bible, she knew what God's expectations were and she didn't compromise that. So she didn't tell you things that you wanted to hear, she told you what you needed to hear and that was the truth because the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free because so many of us like to sugarcoat things and, and blame somebody else or shift the blame but we have to take responsibility for our own lives. And to find someone that you can do that with, people need it. And I think we're missing that a lot in the church today. And that's why fellowship after church is so important. You know, you're not here just for yourself. You mightn't get too much out of church, you might say, but you might just have the right thing to say to that person on the day. You don't know, because God works through everybody. And so we have to just be a bit more mindful that we're not just here for ourselves, we're here also for our brothers and sisters. And you might just connect with someone and you connect with someone with, when they've been where you're at or you've been where they've been. And so you can just relate to each other and you can give, speak wisdom into people's lives. And this is what Ma did. She was able to speak in, into to your life without condemnation without judgment and their home was always open. So when I first met her, we lived an hour out of town and just simple things she'd say, if you need somewhere to go, if you're waiting for an appointment or you haven't got somewhere to go, just come around here. You know, my home's your home. And this is what I'm saying, that you can be a mother you can disciple someone. You can just be a friend for someone. You can just open up your heart and your home and share the gospel with somebody and make them feel like they're valued. And then the friendship begins to form. So number one point I want to say is that spending time with God is more important than doing things for God. Who's a doer? I'm a doer. And it's so easy to get around doing, doing things for God. Doing this and doing that, thinking that you're doing God a favour. But you know, God would much rather have our time than us doing things for him. You know, and when we spend time with God, then we can rest in him. And then the doing is a lot easier. Because we're not doing it in our strength. And we're not feeling like we have to. We're doing it because we love the Lord. And everything we do should be to the Lord. So 
take you to a little story in um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 40. And this is so me. Chapter 38, verse 38. Now it happened as they went, this is Jesus and his disciples and other followers, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Bet you can guess who I am in the story. (laughs) That's Martha. (laughs) And Martha, it's not that Martha didn't love the Lord, she did. But, you know, like, that's just so typical sometimes. You have people coming into your house and and I like having people in my home and um, looking after them and that. But that can take over the primary reason why we're there sometimes. And um, it's more important to spend time with Jesus. And, you know, this, this scripture, it says that um, Mary and Martha were sitting at Jesus' feet. In verse 39, it indicates that, that Martha was also sitting there listening to Jesus. But then her eye shifted from listening to him and started thinking about all these people are in my home. They're all going to get hungry nothing's prepared, I better get moving and I better get things organised. And that's exactly what I'd be thinking. I'd be there all right for a little while but then I'd be starting to think, getting a bit nervous and wanting to move on. And, you know, so it indicates that Martha actually was sitting at Jesus' feet but then she became distracted, the Bible says, and she went somewhere and she went out and she's... But then her attitude got bad. Because then she came back in and she actually addressed Jesus and and sort of said, well, why isn't Mary helping me? And you know how it is when you feel like you're the only one doing any work and everyone else is sitting back enjoying themselves? Well, I do. (laughs) And your attitude can get a bit wrong. And this is what happened to Martha. She came storming back in and she, she looked at Jesus and said like, Well, aren't you concerned? I'm the only one doing any work and here's Mary just sitting there enjoying enjoying what you've got to say. But, you know, Jesus spoke in love and he said that Mary had chose the best part. She had made a choice. Yes, she could have got up and helped Martha, but she knew that it was better spending time with God, spending time listening to Jesus. How many times do we put off reading the word or praying because we've got other things to do? I want to ask for an answer there. But I, I know that most of us are like the rest of us and it's so easy to just like put that aside and, and put that at the end of the list instead of at the beginning of the list and to move on to something else. And, you know, you can only give out what's put in. So if you're not spending time with Jesus, if you're not spending time in the word, if you're not praying, then how can you give out of yourself if there's nothing in there to give? You can't take money out of the bank if you haven't put money into the bank account. 
It just doesn't appear. And spiritual things are no different. You have to feed your spirit to be able to speak life into someone else's life. So Ma always spoke the truth in love. And it wasn't always what I wanted to hear. Not likely. <laughs> but it was always God's word that she spoke. It wasn't her idea. It was what she'd read in the word, what she knew to be true. And the Bible says that righteousness will prevail. Only his truth is what we need to hear. You know, and it's only the word of God that will bring you out of a world of darkness and into the light. Without his truth, without his word, then you will flounder in the darkness. And it snowballs, it's like a rolling stone. It'll just gather more and more. The black soil, as your tyres go round, doesn't get better. It just cakes on. And so we need to turn to God's word so that we can come out of the darkness. So I thank God that there are people like her and that I was able to, be, to enjoy and be a part of someone like Ma. John 14, 16. Let's go there. When Jesus left, he said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it is neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you and will be with you. You see, when Pastor Mark spoke to me, it was her spirit speaking to my spirit. It wasn't so much the person, but it's spirit to spirit because the same spirit that dwells in her dwells in me and dwells in you. And when you speak something like-minded, you recognise that. It's a, a like spirit. You're familiar with it. And so it resounds and rings true. And this is what she was speaking, truth, God's word. And the Holy Spirit has taken up residence on the inside of you. And so when you speak, that's what comes out, is what the Holy Spirit has put in there. I met a girl when I was wor working in, in the Burdekin once and she was a hard case and into all sorts of things that you wouldn't want to know she was into. And I was only newly born again and I'd think, what have I got to offer this lady? And she didn't want me working there, for starters, let alone that I was a Christian. But I used to just pray and sing as I worked and I worked hard and did the best I could. And eventually that girl became a born-again Christian. And it wasn't me, but God used me to speak to that girl. And my spirit, my regenerated spirit, was touching her unregenerated spirit, sparking her to look elsewhere. And then she asked me, and I said, you need to go to church. I said, you need to know Jesus. And she did. She went, and she has just gone on for God. It's just unbelievable, the change. Everything that was around her life just dropped off like that. She made choices in her life that before she could never make. She tried and failed. But once she'd accepted Jesus Christ, every dark thing around her life, and some of those things were just evil that were around her life, they dropped off her life. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what he can reveal. 
First Peter 1.23 says, being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible seed by the word of God which lives and abides forever. That seed is planted in you. When you become a born-again Christian, it's planted on the inside of you. It is incorruptible. It needs to be watered. It needs to be fed. And it will grow. But we need to water it. We need to feed it. And it'll grow. Number two is be faithful in the small things. You have the ability to impact every person you come in contact with. And God's, the Bible says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But it says first in Samaria, first in your own home, first in your own home, first in your workplace, first in the people who you come in contact with. And I'm as guilty as anyone that you, opportunities come and you let them pass by. The fear gets in there or whatever it is that takes you away. But we need to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And we don't have to be airy-fairy, but we can speak the truth in love. And it's that love, as Kath said, because God is love, and that was the motivating force behind Jesus dying for us. That if we reach out in love, if we show people that we really do care, then we open the way for them to receive the word of God. We open the way for their ears and their hearing to hear the word of God and to receive it. God has placed people in your life and in my life. Are you touching them? Are you being a friend to them? Are you being a mother in the faith? You know, and you say, well, you know, the more we get to know God, you might say, well, I can't love that person. I, I really can't love that person. But God says that if you get to know God, his love will allow you to love other people. And that it's not our love, it's his love. It's his love. James 1.5 says, Now if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give to all men liberally and without reproach and it will be given unto him. So to make a friend, to have a, you have to be a friend, don't you? And you know, God will give you the words to say. God will put those words in your mouth. Just ask him. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him what you can say to this person. Because we're all just... Most people are just hurting and lonely and just looking for, for God. It's that God portion that's on us that will touch other people. It's not us. It's that God portion on, on us. It's the God factor. And it's on you. It's in you. So let it shine. You know, Ma always encouraged me to be myself, to be comfortable with who I was and to trust in the call that God had placed on my life. So I am the way I am because God created me that way. You are the way you are because God created you that way. You know, and so many times we get caught up that the third point is that you were made to be this and not that. But how many of us get caught up with that so you might sit there and you might look at somebody and you might say, I wish I was like Joyce Meyer. But no, you're not Joyce Meyer. You weren't called to be Joyce Meyer. You were Nina. You were Lorena. You were Kath. You're Rachel. You know, God didn't want hundreds of Joyce Meyers. 
He made you with your own special abilities, your own talents, your own way of speaking, your own way of acting, because he created us all differently. And, you know, he created us in his image. So even though we're all different, we're still all in his image and his likeness. And so he wants us to be who he created us to be. I can't be like Julianne. I can't be like Jeff. I can't be like anybody. I, I can, I'm flat out being myself. But that's who God called us to be. Just be yourself. And Ma always encouraged me to be myself. And sometimes you feel intimidated because some people have got a good way with words and they know all the history or they this and that. But pull up, pull the reins on the horses. You're not that person. God will just give you the words to say in your own way because my words may touch somebody in a different way to what Joyce Meyer would. She would probably reach a different group of people. And then Julianne would reach somebody else. So God didn't call us all to be the same, but we all have the same message and the same hope and the same end at the end of the day, and that's what's important. Can I improve? I certainly can, but I'm a work in progress and so are you. You know, Isaiah 28.10 says here that we are, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. He's building us. He's building us. Some of us grow quickly. Some of us take forever. But we're still being built line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. So I just want to encourage all you people, not just the ladies, but all of us, are here for an appointed time, for a purpose, and that is to spread the good news of the gospel. Simple as that. Now, it's not my news. It's not your news. It's God's news. And all we have to do is be obedient because the Bible says that his word will not return void. So we might think that our words fall on deaf ears, but they don't because God promised that his word, if we're speaking his word, that it will not return void. There will be a harvest. Do we always see it? No, not always in our lifetime. Did Moses see this promised land? No, not in his life. He never entered the promised land. But God was still true and faithful to his word that they did enter the promised land. And so I want to encourage you not to look at other people, just be who you are. And if you think about it this morning, I'm sure you can all find somebody who's been that mother in the faith to you. Young or old, it doesn't really matter. A sister, a brother, who truly stands beside you in the good times, in the bad times, and is just there for you. You know, if we weren't all fitly joined together, then we wouldn't function as a body. But God requires all of us, all our talents, all our abilities to come together. So having children doesn't define you as a mother necessarily. Yes, it's one definition of a mother. But having a heart of compassion and a hand of comfort defines you as a mom. Because that's God's heart.
Loving and nurturing people define you as a mum because that's God's heart. Caring and listening defines you as a mum because that's God's heart. Honesty and stickability define you as a mum because that's God's heart. We're in a race. It's a long race. It's a race of endurance. So we're here for the long haul. So God has given us qualities that enable us. And and he always said that my grace is sufficient for you. That's all we need is his grace. Take his grace because that will get you through whatever it is, however long, his grace. So we all possess unique character traits and qualities, strengths and abilities. And these have been gifted to us by our Heavenly Father. But the journey of life will shape and hone these talents and these gifts. So I just pray today that as we all close for this morning, that you all congregate out there and we've got a nice morning tea in. I suppose we'll let you guys have something to eat. And um, there's scones, there's cakes, there's all sorts of things out there. So just, we just thank God. Let's just end in prayer. Father, I just thank you this morning, Lord, that, Lord, that each of one of us is special and precious to you. That, Father, that your love was shed abroad in our hearts. I thank you, Father, that each one of us, Lord, would think about just the simple things in our life that we often don't do and should be doing. That, Lord, that we could be a friend and even speak wisdom and and godly instruction into people's lives with love and compassion. That, Father, through the love that we show others, that they might come to know you. And, Lord, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.